welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Hey everybody, Rick Roberts here. Welcome to the show. If you're a first-time listener, which we have a bunch of this week, uh, thanks for logging on and finding us. I don't know what caused the jump in the uh, downloads this week, but apparently we got some new folks listening, so that's always good to hear, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy today's podcast. Today is an interview with Claiborne Cox from Auburn, Alabama. Very funny guy. I met back in 2008 or 2009, and uh, we have a good time kind of catching up for one he's way down there in auburn i have never been to auburn alabama in my 49 years of living and finally got down there knew he lived there grabbed him for the show we talk about what it's like to have a day job and pursue comedy also what it's like to uh, get ready to record a cd i will get into that just in a second i did want to make a couple of quick announcements first off thanks to derek michael Tennant, our patreon supporter for this episode and also to the Clean Comedy Challenge. We'll hear from Leslie a little bit later on in the show, and she can tell you all about those things coming up. I also would like to pump up the awareness of the Christian Comedy Association Conference taking place June 3rd through the 5th right here in Nashville, Tennessee. The CCA is all about Christian comedians getting together, helping each other out with not only the comedy aspect, which we dig into really deep, but also in the ministry and the business aspect of being a comedian and helping out uh, charities, fundraisers, churches, all kinds of missions, different groups who use comedy as an awareness tool or as a fundraising tool uh, to get a bigger message across. That conference takes place in Nashville, Tennessee, June 3rd to the 5th, like I mentioned, and it's going to be really jam-packed. We have over 17 breakout sessions and keynotes, all geared to making you a better performer and better in your walk with Christ. So if that's something that interests you, check out ChristianComedyAssociation.com. Learn more about it there. You can attend the conference as a non-member. Just kind of kick the tires, absorb the information, and uh, take it with you. Or if you'd like to join the CCA, all the information is on the ChristianComedyAssociation.com website. I'll talk about my upcoming comedy class dates here in just a little bit. But right now, let's get into the interview with Claiborne Cox. I am here with Claiborne Cox. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing excellent. And I'm, I've been looking forward to this all day long, just thinking about how long it's been since I've been face-to-face with you. And I, I have to say, it's been a couple of years at least. Right. I think your question when we talked on the phone was, uh, are you still doing comedy? So that's always good <laughs> to hear, right? So... <laughs> Yes, I am, by the way. That's awesome. So, <laughs> and you live in beautiful Auburn, Alabama. Right. Yes, I do. Which is the not exactly known as the comedy capital of the world. <laughs> not yet, obviously, since you didn't know if I still did it or not. That's but, right. Yeah, we're trending up, Rick. Yeah. So. Well, you know, there's Austin City Limits or things like that. You need, like, Auburn City Limits, a TV show that showcases talent, whether it's music or comedy or something. I'm working on it. Just calm down. Well, yeah, so. <laughs> a lot of pressure all of a sudden. <laughs> you, did you grow up around here? Uh, no, but I came to college here. I grew up two hours away and um, came to college, never meant to stay, wanted to move back home and fell in love with the place. And um, it has grown almost doubled since I got here. Uh, I take full credit for that. And yeah. so what you see, you're welcome, right? Yeah, you did a great job. I'm impressed Thanks. with the hardwood floors. Right, yes. So. <laughs> and you moved here You moved here for college. At that point, what did you think you were going to do? Like after college, what was the path that you kind of – because when you're in college, you have an idea, but it's 
it's not always the correct oh sure right yeah so never uh comedy wasn't on the radar at the time just wanted to be a um school teacher and um uh, started telling stories to the students and that helped to kind of blossom the the comedy but very indirectly you know that's cool and what's tell everybody because a lot of people obviously don't know who who you teach what kind of what subject is it and how did you get started in that subject? First of all, did you almost say most people don't know who you are? Because that's, devil, <laughs> that's another insult. Who I am. So <laughs> most people don't even listen to this podcast if you go on sheer numbers alone in gotcha. the world. Gotcha. Okay. Well, <laughs> so uh, th- I teach at Auburn High School. That's my day job. And uh, th- I teach basically what I do is I will show them how to use Photoshop. They're teenagers, and they use it to make me look stupid. That's yeah. That's the job. In fact, years. there was a, a full year where they put you in different, was it corn? So, oh, that, that's been going on nine years now. Nine years. Tell yeah. me a little bit about that because I find that hilarious. Oh, well, that makes one of us. So, <laughs> he, okay, there was this kid out of the blue. I don't know, but one day he used to like, Mr. Cox, do you like corn? I said, no. And so psychologically, starting there, they started to use corn to psychologically disturb me. And so they'll like <laughs> use Photoshop to, like they'll take a picture of me. And replace my head with an ear of corn and type out corn on the cocks or, you know, it's <laughs> all the time. They will bring it to my doormat at my house where I live. They will bring me um, trinkets. Like last week, I got a Lego man, um, but he was like a corn Lego man. Which right. Who is the target audience for that? Yes, yeah, pretty specific. Did they have that custom <laughs> yes. made? That, I don't, they went I, to a tool and die maker at Lego and said, we need some corn for Claiborne. They went to, I don't know, but I wish that you wouldn't sass me. I've been to working <laughs> with teenagers all day, so I really, I'd rather talk about anything else, Rick, That's to be hilarious. honest with you. That's funny. And so... My, I told my wife what you did, you know, right. what subjects you taught. And she's like, I am so out of touch. Why Why didn't they have cool classes like that when I was in school? I said, because they didn't have computers right. when you were in school. But well, Photoshop, that's a, they must enjoy the class, don't don't you think? More than not, you yeah. know, there's uh, there's some boogers who are going to be boogers no matter what, you yeah. know. But most, I think so. Have so. you conned them into doing any, like, projects for you for promo or? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it would have corn and everything. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh Actually, very little. Like I used to have a little bit on my website, um, and that's been changed since. But um, they do they do neat work. They'll do it for real people. There's one doing it for a, a local politician or mm-hmm. for clubs and classes and stuff like that. I believe so, I had one of the people in your class do a little thing for me a while I back. I think you're right. When I was actually. looking for logos for the school of laughs, they had different people like. Okay. I thought, well, I'll see if Claiborne has any students that that's might be right. interested. That's right. I did. I used to do some myself for you. Actually, it's been yeah. a while. So. Uh, might have to get to do some more. <laughs> I've always got the need. Right. That's cool. So, so you started teaching, which you were telling stories. How did you find a, a avenue for comedy around here, or did you go to a different mm. town to do it? Well, um, so Auburn Opelika is basically one big town. It's just Opelika is the neighboring city, and I just uh, sort of hired out a coffee shop and told some teenagers, "Hey, I'm going to tell some of my stories. Y'all come out," and they actually did. And uh, looking back. It probably wasn't that good, but it was at the time enough to get in my blood, you know. And so that was the first two shows were at that coffee shop. And then CCA actually came not too long after that. That's been nine years ago now, you know. So what, Was it in Nashville, the, your first one, or where was it your first It was. One? It was at Shonda Pierce's church. Just okay, outside. that was my first one then. Okay, right. 2008 I, or nine. Yes, you were one of the guys who was on the showcase that year. That was my first and one. And you just crushed it. <laughs> and I still remember, I was sitting by Gordon Douglas, who some people listening, I'm sure, will know. He's the chaplain of the CCA. Great guy. And he was like, 
who is this man? <laughs> and I, I knew that you were from Bananas. I had, I was already a fan. And so, um, yeah, but that was, I, I'll probably never forget that night. That's hilarious. That was a fun show. And uh, I had only heard about the CCA maybe three months before that. Mm, right. Uh, Shonda found me to, and said, hey, come down and teach a class about comedy writing to these guys. Right, right. And then I, I thought, after that showcase, I'm like, I don't think these guys need any writing right. tips. That was, <laughs> you know, Thor was on there, Joby, Leslie Townsend, Hawkins, Jeff Allen. Still maybe the best comedy show I've ever been to. They were, it was night. fun. Well, and the good thing about that setup, it was like in a theater setting. Right, right. So it really had all the elements you want in a comedy Right, show. right. Sound lights, and they had little camera guys in the back and stuff. Right, but the talent, too. It was just phenomenal. And that but, was that was 08, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh huh. And then your when was the first time you did a showcase at the conference? Because it wasn't too long after that, if I remember. No, it, I, I think it was the next year because the next night at CCA... I told the toothbrush story, and it went better than it's ever gone before. Like, now that's one of the things that I, I'm like, should I even tell it or not kind of thing, right, at a show. Um, but it went better than ever, and so I was I got on their radar. And so I think the next year or two years later or something I like that. It, was but, that like in that little side room? Where right, everybody, right. Yeah, I remember, I remember watching that. And the toothbrush story always kills me So just because it's so focused on just day-to-day objects that take on a whole new life. Right. It's almost... Uh, in a way, it's like you're presenting a cartoon. These, right. these things come to life, and there's action, and there's uh, good versus evil. There's a sure. lot of elements in there. Now, again, you live down here in Auburn. Right. I know Sam Beeman, who I, I was going to call today, but I, I simply just, I'm in and out. I don't have the time to grab everybody. He's like an hour away, uh, 70 minutes. Oh, less than that. Less yeah, than that. he's maybe 45. Okay, so, and yeah. our friend Ed Wiley is... Couple he's hours? a few hours, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had a show with him a couple nights ago. So. Yeah, I saw that. Now, who else is around here that you can bump things off of once in a while? Um. Oh, man, we have a fun little group. Um. Kristen Weber is in Atlanta. Bone, of course, is in Atlanta. The I Bone is out of out of our league. He's Bone stinking Hampton, right? And so we don't get to do a lot of shows with Bone, but when we do, they're always so much fun. But um, it's more often. I get to do things with uh, people who are just kind of in my class, you know. And so uh, Timothy uh, Bannister, uh, Sam Beeman, Andrew Stanley, Ed Wiley. Um, that's some of the... Those the are all good guys. Names. Yeah, yeah. Love these guys. Yeah. Oh, so much fun to and hang Carrie's out with. hilarious, too. So, oh, yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. So when you get the itch to do comedy, so you're, you know, you're teaching class so, and you've got family. you got two kids? Two little girls. Two yeah. little girls. Mm. And their ages now are... Eight and five. That's so, fun. Oh, man. Right. So let me tell you something, Rick. So last last weekend, took my five-year-old to a little thing, saw her friend named Evie, said, Evie, what are you going to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a haircut lady. And I said, <laughs> well, will you cut my hair when you get older? My girl, she, she looked right at me. She said, you might be dead by then. And she was not joking. Just straight face, <laughs> deadpan, completely serious. Like, have you not thought about this, old man? Right? That's so. hilarious. At least she didn't say, you probably won't have any hair. Because that's no, what my kid no, would say. No, no, <laughs> no. She wasn't even worried about it. She didn't even act sad about it either. Yeah. So You should be so lucky that I live long enough to cut your hair. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. And your wife, she, she, did you meet her before you started teaching at college? How did that all happen? Um, yeah, so uh, I had been teaching for a while. We actually... A large group of my friends went bowling, and one of the the members invited her. Um, she was living in a nearby town, and uh, there were three three lanes of us. Um, and I was about to start bowling, 
in the right lane. She was two lanes over in the left lane. And I was like, why would I bowl with these people? I'd rather go bowl with that hot girl over there. Right. And uh, the rest is history. That's so, great. Yeah. That's funny. I thought you said there was three lanes of girls. Oh, no. And no. I surveyed them all, <laughs> and I decided to conquer the left lane. No. Well, you think the worst of me, don't you? You well, really do. After that toothbrush so. story, it's hard to tell where you're going. <laughs> all right. And so so at that point, when you met her, had you been doing some comedy or the comedy? No. So she saw you from the very beginning then. Right. Yeah. So uh, we had been married for a few months, and I... Um, Got a banana. I'd already been thinking about ish doing something. Mm-hmm. Got a banana sampler, and you may have been on it. If not, you were, there were a few, and you were on one of them, and that spawned it all. And you're like, you know, I'm funny. So I could do was, better than that guy. She and almost she agreed 100. percent Well, why not, Rick? <laughs> so, uh, but like, she almost talked me out of it. But it was like three dollars at a little Christian bookstore in Savannah, Georgia. Uh-huh. And so uh, I was like, look, I, I'm interested in this, and it's three dollars. And so we we did it. And so yeah, that's the way to do it. But get married first, then tell them. Yeah, I'd like to do stand-up comedy. That yeah. goes great. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm always curious. I, my wife saw me doing comedy. That's right. how I met her the first time. So she knew from the very first day. And she still married you. I, that's what right. I thought. She, and she's seen my act. Right. <laughs> she, she knows. But she knows the long curve it's going to be for me to make this uh, full-time. Right. Uh, so it is interesting, though, the dynamics there. Because it is time away from home sometimes. Right, right. Uh, you've got obligations already throughout the week. So how do you balance that, trying to find you know, the right amount of times to, to do it enough to keep up your chops. Right. And to stay in the flow of things without disrupting the family too the, much. Well, I don't get called that often. I, I do like maybe, you know, on average two shows a month or something like that. So uh, until my phone starts ringing off the hook, we don't even have to worry about that. You know, it's very much a, a side thing. My wife is so great. She's uh, she's such a keeper. She um, have zero fear about anything going wrong whatsoever when she's with the girls, you know, at, at the house, taking care of things and things like that. So she's she's great. She's but cool yeah. with it. So is a couple times a month enough to kind of keep you going, or do you find that you kind of got to restart, when you know, because the engagements aren't every – how's your memory, I guess, what I'm trying to say? Because it would take me a little bit of ramp up every time to right. fill in the blanks. The only hard part for me is the one-liners because it's memory-based. The stories are – they flow easily. But – uh Thankfully, working with teenagers all day, every day, um, I have actually learned to love to deal with hecklers. Like if people don't heckle, I almost don't know what to do because that that's that's the day job, you know. And so if people don't heckle, I will almost in, encourage heckling <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just to have the back and forth with them. Right. And so that's the that's my favorite part now. That's really. cool. So you so. kind of bait them a little bit. And then uh, once you get them on the hook, you're like, oh, you didn't know what you were in for. I, I wouldn't have worded it so eloquently, but something like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I do think one-liners are the hardest to organize. Right. So Some one-liners, they they used to work better than they do now or vice versa. And it, it may be because of the order of things and things like that. So that's interesting. It could be the order. I find sometimes the jokes that I like the most that's, that work because they work the best right. more often, they'll, they'll go for a while and they're always – they kind of take a backseat because you, right. you get used to telling them a certain way for sure. Right, right. But a good thing to do is sometimes on purpose put them in a new place to see if they're strong enough to be there. Gotcha. You know, put them earlier in your show to see if the audience um, knows you enough at that point to take those chances with them. Right, right. You know, there's all those little things. that That's what I love about comedy is it's right. never even close to being the same thing two times in a row. 
Right, right. Speaking of of this, I remember looking at the CCA website uh, Rick, years ago, nine years ago, and it said something like, we're here to help people with the craft of comedy. And I was like, yeah, right, craft. What is telling funny stories? Nine years later, I could not have been more wrong, right? It's so much intricate, cerebral thought that goes into all this stuff. Right. Hmm. What, do, what do you do when you find, you know, either a spot in your act you want to kind of redevelop or when you get an idea for a new joke, how do you go about the process? Um, well, working at the high school, it's actually kind of fun. Um, we can try new material. On the, there's multiple classes because it is a high school, you know, and so I'll, I'll toy around with telling them. And then um, it's actually a pretty huge high school now, and it's kind of tight-knit. We have a brand-new facility, so we can go um, like and tell it to another class. It's, there's There's glass all over the place, and so... Um, I'll try it out on the kids. Just um, um, don't do a lot of typing out on the computer these days. Ever since we had our second daughter, I think I've I've come off of the uh, hardcore writing. Um, probably need to get back into that a little bit more. More audio than than written right now. So so you like talk it into your phone and listen back to it, or, or do you, just to just, just talk to, to the your feedback students? to the kids. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I've always found you to have a real economy of words with your material and, and a patience to let the audience do their part of the show. So, <laughs> and and I say that in the in most admiration. Uh, oh, like, well, thank you. I, I, you and Bob Hope have the most patience and of all the comics I've ever seen. You and Bob Hope right. <laughs> can go out there, deliver a line, and wait for the laugh that it deserves, hmm. and then it gets a whole nother wave of laughter from your reaction to their laugh. Like I love the way you play with the audience and, and give them. A chance to do their job. The audience is my favorite part, but when it doesn't come, that's the gamble, right? And sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> is that where the your favorite part of dealing with hecklers has come up? Like, uh, hey, you've got an answer either way. Like, if they laugh, great. If they don't, I know how to get them. No, if they don't laugh, I, you freak out a little bit, and then you move on. I don't know. I don't. If you have an answer to that, you let me know. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, sometimes. So. <laughs> well, there are when they don't laugh at a joke that should work. And I did it all, all of my part. Then I, I kind of get disappointed. Right, right. If it's a new joke, it's a new joke. It's either going to work or it's not, and I'll figure it out. And right. Do iterations till I figure it the best way. But yeah, I'm always disappointed when a joke's been working for six months and then one show. Right. It's like, and you know, and you think back to it. I say, I said it right. What's going on? <laughs> you know, that's when I get like, who should I make fun of, them or me? Well, sometimes the audience gets it wrong, though, right? Occasionally. I mean, so <laughs> and sometimes some audiences are very like-minded, so. Hmm. If a majority of them get it wrong early, then they all follow suit. Right, that's like, true. And that works both ways. If 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 a couple people up front laugh hard, then the rest of the crowd's like, "Oh, that is funny." Right, right. It's all about f quickly figuring out how to connect with that sure, audience. Sure, right. You know, when you're doing shows, whether it's with some of the people you mentioned or or by yourself. By the way, how did the one work out that was looked like a reception outside? That was actually a lot of fun. Thank you for the help. For the people who are listening who don't know, so Rick, he put on Facebook that he had a uh, show with a dance floor, and uh, like a dance floor between him and the audience, which that is tough. I've had one like that before um, that was less successful than, than this one. And uh, so I had a similar show. There was a, It was an outdoor show, for one thing. Um, downtown Mobile, you could hear motorcycles go by you could hear the the clock chime you could hear um oh goodness what else a train uh -huh. um there was a like a, a grass dance floor the the cord to the microphone was not extremely long so there was a little disconnect 
but thankfully, like they were just a fun crowd to talk to. And so beside the jokes, just the interaction was a lot of fun with them. And uh, boy, I prayed like crazy more so than I prayed before most shows, but more so for that one. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, this doesn't necessarily always work out, but like Esther in the Bible became queen. I don't think that was a fluke. I think that God had given her favor with people to become that. So I just asked for that kind of, just give me favor with this crowd. And All right. I think he did for this particular show. Yeah. Well, that works. The prayer works. And then it also is, it calms you down a little bit. Like it's out right. of my hands. Like, right. And when I showed up to my dance floor situation, I mean, I was, as soon as I walked in the room, I was so disappointed because it was a, a pretty decent gig. And I thought they're not going to get a sliver of what they're paying for because right. they, they put this huge obstacle in. In mm-hmm. fact, a band came out and played, a, a marching band Wow. came out and played on it. I can show you that video if you want. Wow, yeah, of course. And uh, But I prayed, and luckily, you know, right before I go in the room to do my part, uh, these camera guys walk in, and there's a huge screen that they lower behind me, and everybody can see me perfectly. And you didn't even ask for that. They just No, I, all I'd ask in the contract is, I only have like two things that says this will right. nullify a contract, and one is a dance floor. <laughs> I said, if there's a dance floor, you have to contact me. We need to talk it out or else... Everything I've told you up to this point is, is no longer true. Right, right. And so, but yeah, I prayed about that one. And wow. Luckily, it was inside at least, and I had the technology. Right. Were you at, was it like a reception or a, a wedding thing? It or was, what was a 25th uh, wedding anniversary party. Oh, and cool. So, so they were a little bit older. Right, right. Generally. Uh huh. That's so. cool. And how old are you now? Uh, I turn 39 next week. Okay. So that's a good place to be comedically. You got some life behind you. Yeah, yeah. You still got a few years left. Right. You, know, if you live long enough to get your hair cut. Unless my daughter's right. right? So, <laughs> yeah. Maybe those scissors she's got some right. other plans for. Watch out. I do tell them they can't date during my lifetime, so they're probably going to kill me one day. That, so. is, that is hilarious. Hey, I'm going to pop in here just for a second, and let's acknowledge our sponsor, the Clean Comedy Challenge. Are you a comic who wants to take your comedy to the next level? Sometimes you need a little help. And that's where the Clean Comedy Challenge comes into play. This is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I'm the creator and producer of this challenging event. This year, we have three different locations, each with a cash prize. Two of the three are full-blown three-day events with seminars, critiques, and performances in a real comedy club. Past attendees include Johnny W., Charlene May, Andy Medango, Marty Simpson, and Mike Paramar all who are now full-time comedians. So, if you're ready to take advice from the pros and perform in a real comedy club, go to cleancomedychallenge.com. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. And don't forget to mention Rick Roberts' School of Laughs, so I know where you came from. Um, do your kids have a little bit of sense of humor watching you? Uh, oh, they're hilarious. Yeah. Well, actually, I've seen some of the stuff you've posted. I know they've got a sense of humor, but yeah. what strikes you about them that um, compared to your own... Like growing up, do they have more humor than you had growing up, or? Um, we're we're all kind of hams, you know. Like two, when I say two of the three of us, between myself and my daughters, two of us are borderline introvert, extrovert, actually. But in front of a large group of people, we kind of ham it up, you know. One daughter is just a straightforward extrovert, and so she's um she's more the cerebral and thinks funny thoughts and things like that. The uh, the other, the one who's introverted, she has really crushed it in her, just her facial expressions, and she knows it. Like, <laughs> she, she uh, will intentionally make a face that could just make you laugh, which I, I'm so proud of. Like, yeah. uh, I, I don't know, not many people can 
look like she looks and make people laugh. I don't know. So almost like Jim Carrey-ish, where she can contort her face, or is it just the timing of the look? Both. Like uh, it won't. See, that's the thing. She won't do over the top looks either. It'll be these subtle little. Um, I don't, subtle little gritty looks like uh, it's not the over the top zany Happy Meal colorful look. It's just like a simple little glare or big. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Someday you'll see her someday. She's getting on stage with me a little more than she used to, which isn't a lot, but still, yeah. you know. Well, you know, I was this thought passed through my mind like a couple of weeks ago. You know, Ed Wiley has five kids or is it seventeen? Six, six. six. Yeah. I get lost. Right. But um, he's posted some videos with them. And I right. started thinking, there there are tons of gospel groups that are family. Right. That right. go out and do shows. What a great thing it would be if some comedians started doing, not just family-friendly shows, but family shows where they've got their family in it. Right. Showcase what the kids can do a little bit with no pressure. Let them do what's fun for them. Right. Uh, interact with them a little bit. Write some skits. I would... I would totally take my kids who are 12 and, and 5 to go see a show like that. I would love to do that. And my wife, she's funny too, but she's also just musically talented. Mm-hmm. So like maybe a variety show or something yeah, like that. play the keyboard or guitar behind you and do some things. Yeah. Uh, my newest prayer here recently has been, uh, let me either do comedy to the to God's glory or just not do it at all. And so the whole, you know, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all uh, to the glory of God, that kind of thing. And so... I, that might be the direction eventually we move. You know, I, I don't know. I think that'd be cool. And it's, you know, an advantage of a more rural area. Is right, right. More places and more people are probably into that. Right, right. You're not competing so much with places that are that are forced to make a dollar at, at the bar sure. doing some kind of deal. But you've got the opportunities to bring a show to That them. are full of successful comedians. Right. Got it, Rick. Thank <laughs> well, I'm you. Saying, so. <laughs> no, I'm just saying uh, less, competi- less stress. I'm teasing you. In some ways. Now, the one thing that you're doing a little bit more now, it seems, than a couple of years ago when I saw you, is a little bit more music, the three-string guitar or the one-string guitar. What is what is that thing you have? Is it a traveler guitar? It's called a strum stick. And uh, I got it when I was in eighth grade because my youth pastor had one. And I think my parents got it for me for Christmas or something. And then started doing stand-up and thought, oh, I need to do something, just something with it. you know. And it actually kind of breaks up the show fairly well just to make it not so monotonous, uh-huh. monotonous and things like that. So, do you have a lot of songs with it, or do you have a couple things silly that you like? What what is in a forty-five minute show? Where, how many minutes would that be? I will play it for one song is maybe sixty seconds. The other is maybe two minutes, so about three minutes, but okay. it's at different times, you know. And so, uh, not a lot. I'm not good at it. People always ask when I bring I bring it in a big guitar case uh-huh. and then get out this little guitar that's part of the gag, you know. So they're always like, "Do you need a, a plug in?" I'm like, "No, I do not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not good at it. Don't want people to know that I'm not good. I play like three songs total. Two are in the show, and that's pretty much it. I play a song to tune it uh-huh. every now and then. That's it. That's fun stuff. Now you've recorded. Did you record the DVD down here? How did that yes, go down in Auburn? Because um, we have a lot of a lot of people listen that. Are probably and we've talked about it several times on the podcast, but a DVD is a nice way to showcase a lot of stuff you do, but it is stressful to put together the taping and, and everything else. So walk me just through how you pull that together down here. Um, Crown uh, Crown Entertainment, they uh, they kind of mentioned like, hey, just let us know if you you know do something, and so um, put together a show here at a it's like a local college ministry, and it was just a I, I knew the room. I had been, I had done the room a couple of times, not a comedy room, but just a, 
all multi-purpose type room. And uh, we crammed chairs in there and advertised it like crazy. And uh, thankfully, um, it was it was fairly filled up. And so uh, we ended up having, I don't know what the number was, but it was the right number that mm-hmm. we needed. And um, hired somebody to come in, redo the background completely. We had to hire a stage guy. There was no stage hire uh, somebody to put up a background it was just it basically looked like a big empty house except for chairs right and so um that was um that was interesting and uh you know for the second one i think i would do some things uh differently everybody i hired did great however um might be nice to just go to a place that's already (laughs) already set set up yes Thought it might be a good idea to find out somebody else who's already doing one, and then go in with them, just because like you could split it financially, right. and 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 there's bigger, better uh, comedians than me, believe it or not, Rick, who like uh, <laughs> hard to believe they might already have a crowd <laughs> brought in, or yeah. you know that kind of thing, and so live and learn. You know, we we're happy with some things, and some others we'll live and learn from. But everybody that I, I hired, they did the best they could with what they had. What, what I gave them to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I know it is a stressful thing. That's why I haven't done a DVD of my own accord. Right. It's overdue, mm. but I keep thinking, man, that's just a lot of work. Think about doing a CD this summer, actually. And do uh, you have any huge tips about that, by the way? Yeah, like, I mean, I just did one uh, recorded in October and just came out a couple weeks ago. Right. And I guess, you know, I did mine at a, at a club. It, it's an, it was an improv club. Okay. Not an right. improv chain, but... A place that only does improv comedy, basically. Right, right. And I liked it because it was smaller. I mean, right. I think if you set 90 people, it was full. Sure, right. Uh, it was, it wasn't deep. It was, ne- it was wide. Right. I would have liked it to be a little less wide, but it, again, it wasn't a huge room. Sure. Um, the lights were great, and the sound guys. You know, I wouldn't be afraid to see if a, a label would help you do it. Right, right. You just look into it, because the other nine that I did were all. I brought recorders and set them up in the back of the room. And, right, you know, right. This one, I was, I was like, ah, I don't have time for that. Right. <laughs> so these guys came in with like six or seven microphones. They put them all around the room, different places, the right kind of microphones. Gotcha. And they knew how to run it off the board and get a split for my guitar and for my vocals. So when we got to that part, they could mix it correctly. Right. Before, I just kind of had one sound, and I would kind of sure. bring the, everything up or everything down. Gotcha. So having all that was a big help. Even if you don't have a record label do it, maybe just getting a sound engineer. Okay, right. Um, well, see, that's the thing. I've got Sam Beeman. He's actually good at that yeah, type Sam of thing. So the, as far as venue and things like that, I guess. Like uh, you were very pleased with your small room, right? Yeah, so. plenty of parking's a, a good thing to have. Right, okay. Uh, I love my CD, the recording of it. The one thing that's interesting, if you listen to more than three tracks, you know, five minutes into it, is it's just like super crisp because mm. there's, there's – I wouldn't say a lack of ambiance. Right, right. But there's no glasses clinking because there's no tables. There's right, no forks it makes and knives. Sense. Right. So in some ways it, it sounds a little sterile maybe, uh-huh. but also you don't, on the good side, you don't miss a single word. For sure, right. So I, I would maybe look at that as far as, as having the room sonically sound and, and have a vibe to it. Okay, with right. With or without you. So right. when you come in there, you're adding to it. Makes sense. And then promoting it, you know. It sounds sometimes too far out, but you know, six weeks out is not too much to start promoting. Right, right, right. People won't. Some people put it on their calendar right away because they love you. Right. Others need to be reminded every week leading up to it, and then you have gotcha. to hammer them on the head right, right beforehand. Sure, right. Uh, the one thing that with the record label that was good post fact is they they promoted the release of the CD, so 
it's one thing to record a CD, but you know, having the idea of what you're going to do with it after you get it out before you start. Gotcha. That makes sense. Then you can think like the one thing they so the record label said, you know, one thing you have to think ahead about is the name of your bits because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're going to try to get this on Sirius XM and it's okay. easy if they can see a bit that descri- the title describes it. They know, hey, this might be good for the Blue Collar Channel or Jeff, right, Jeff and right. Larry's Comedy Roundup, or it might be good for Laugh USA, or, mm. or maybe good. But if you just title it something that you're used to titling it on your set list, right. it may not resonate with anybody. That you might never sense. click it. Right. So some of that ahead of time can help you start thinking about right. not only what jokes to do and what to call them, but how you construct a set. And it made me think in, t- in terms also of maybe what am I going to title this CD? Right, right. And so I had one joke that had a punchline. Uh, I didn't say that, but I was thinking it real loud. <laughs> and I thought, well, that could be a good. So I worked that in more, a few more times in the CD. Smart, right. So thinking about the post-project before you start is a good thing. So I've never really done that before. Gotcha. Well, so, okay, I've got a room in mind um, that I, I, is already on the calendar. It's not that big. I might start um, start marketing and punching up the uh, just to make sure it's full when I get there kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, and then as far as the distributing, like, uh, do you have any recommendations for that? Like, cause I'm not a household name, you know what I mean? So yeah. are, are there any minor distributing places who are looking for that kind of thing? Well, or? the, what I'd done in the previous bunch of CDs was set it up with CD baby. Okay. Right. Have you done that before? I have not. I've heard a lot about it. So the, it's very, uh, simple and straightforward. Usually, usually I record it with disc makers okay, right. to produce the actual physical disc. Right. And, but you could submit your audio files to them without even a physical product hmm. and they could distribute it digitally to Spotify, Pandora, gotcha. everybody. Okay. The thing that I liked with the record label is they have relationships. Like they took my CD in and sat with a guy at Pandora and said, would you like to do a, wow. a, a two week or a one month exclusive, uh, you know, things like that they sure. can do that I don't have the relationships with. Right, right. But the trade off is I, I give them a good fair share of the whatever sure. comes in. Right, right. Yeah, but they were able to do the same thing with Sirius and XM. They could walk right in and say, hey, uh, listen to this with me here for a few minutes. Right, right. So it's worth it in the end. Then, I I'm think sure. so. I mean, I'm already happy that my, my plays just in the past two weeks have increased on Sirius XM. Gotcha, right. So the right. relationship that the record label have definitely has helped me out now. Mm. The other thing I would say, if you're able to, which I was not able to, I guess I could have, but I just didn't think I needed to. And I guess I didn't in the end, but it's good to have two shows the same night smart so you right. can mix and match because I was happy with what I got but I thought after that night was over I was like I guess I wasn't happy I would have just thrown this one in the garbage and gone back and done two nights somewhere else right right well but hmm. I'd, I've been doing that set for a while I knew where the jokes were and I knew what they should get right I just needed the audience to, to do their job <laughs> and luckily they did you know they, again it wasn't the, a 300 seater so mm-hmm. the pressure was on them but they they laughed where they should and we didn't mix anything besides levels. We didn't go in and add any laughter or anything. We did cut a couple of bits out because I got too loquacious. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm using that word right, but it sounded cool. But I would get too wordy sometimes. Sure, right. And I'm like, I'm just going to cut that whole bit out. There's no reason people should hear that. Gotcha. Did you find that the uh, the small crowd was almost um, advantageous as far as the uh, the quality of the sound instead of it being a large mass of noise when there's laughing it, you could actually hear individual laughs does yes. that make sense I, I think I would like that yeah so. I can tell a few people in the room it's, it's right a lot more of my friends obviously right right um, the other thing I would be aware of which I didn't think of till down the like the week of right was I had my show on a Wednesday night okay uh-huh and 
right you know during that week i'm like hey you're gonna come out they're like ah, i've got a church small right. group of course right which could be any night of the week but wednesday night a lot of people are at church sure, as well. and right. a lot of my, the people that would come to see me i was like you could have your whole small group come out right. and this, <laughs> we could write it off you know i could say a prayer at the end <laughs> you know or they could read the bible rick <laughs> yeah so. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah they all made the right decision but that's something i would have it maybe on a thursday sure so you're not competing with everybody's weekend plans right could you redo a, a bit if need be? Just say, look, hey, guys, I, I had a mishap on this and retell it on a CD. Do you get the response you desire generally if that happens? Does that make sense? Yeah. What okay. I did with mine is uh, I was going to do the full hour pretty much right. as it came to me. I, I kind of knew which jokes I wanted to start with and end with. Right. And the other things would fall in place. Uh, but that day I did a, quite a bit of like reviewing and making sure that the flow was there. Like, mm-hmm. here's my ideal flow. Put that on a set list. They had like a little conductor stand from the improv show that was in the corner. So I just I put my set list there. That's smart. And so I did my whole thing. And then I said, uh, I'm just going to make sure I didn't miss, you know, mm-hmm. took a breath so they had a place to edit. Sure. So I'm just going to check my list, make sure I hit all the jokes I wanted to. And there was like two jokes that I was desperate to record, but because they were newer, they, they didn't have a place in right, the show. Right, right. So I said, oh, I got to do these two real quick. Oh, that's that, the one time you can get away with them. Uh, a music sheet stand, yeah. basically, right? That's so, you smart. know, I wasn't reading the joke off of it, but I'd say, right. okay, this, oh, I, de- I need to get these right. on here because that's the whole purpose of the CD is to get the newer stuff well, out. Well, sure. One of the things I learned is uh, about that, probably the best quote is from General Patton. A good plan violently executed today is better than a perfect plan next week. Wow. Hmm. Strong. Which basically means, and uh, here's the other quote that I followed up with in the program, is Salvador Dali, the great artist, right, says, right. Uh, have no fear of perfection. You'll never reach it. Right. <laughs> and so with those two things coupled together, I set a deadline. I did my CD, and it's done, and now it's out, and now it's getting played. There you go. If yeah. I was waiting for the perfect night, sure. It, two more years. Your Who knows? are never going to be completely in a row, no. basically, right? Yeah. So make peace with it. It's just, I always think CDs are, they call them albums in my, back in my right, day. Right, or sure. Because it's a snapshot of where you are in your life. Huh, Musically, uh-huh. if you're an artist that does that, comedically, if you do comedy, what you're talking about in your CD is your kids, your family, where you are right now. Right, right. So the CD you do this year would have material that would never be on the CD two years from now or three mm, years. Makes so sense. go ahead and get that down and be, you know, definitely want to think of your audience and, you know, put out the best of, but if you, if you record an hour and 15, put the best 45 or 50 on there. Right, right. That's smart. You know, don't feel like you got to do every single thing. Always be thinking of the end user. Sure, right. You know? That's right. Or where can people find you? Your website? The website is ClayburnCoxComedy.com. Uh, Very so. good. Well, I'll make sure everybody finds you. It's C-L-A-Y-B-U-R-N. People always want to say Claiborne. Claiborne is such a stuffy name. There's no a nice Clayborn. guy named Claiborne. Right. It's Clayburn Cox. Follow this guy. Yeah. See where he's going. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for making time for me, sir. Hey, thanks for swinging by Auburn. I, it only took 49 years. Right. <laughs> I can't believe I've never been here before. Yeah, it's pretty. It's nice. Thanks, buddy. Good to talk to you. You too, sir. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Claiborne Cox down there in Auburn, Alabama. War Eagle! Hey, uh, I enjoyed talking to Claiborne. He's going to be recording his CD coming up, so you want to keep an eye out for that. And I'll let you guys know about that if he lets me know the dates when it gets a little bit closer. Other dates you might want to be aware of, the performance class I run through the School of Laughs is happening again in Nashville, May 16th, 23rd, and 30th. The time starts at 6 p.m., rolls to about 8, 8.30, depending on how many people we have taken the class. In that class, you get up on stage, do your thing, get feedback from a variety of classmates, including myself, and we 
build your set over three weeks and make it as strong as possible. And then we celebrate that with a graduation show, which we do in July, July 12th at Third Coast Comedy Club. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the writing class coming up again in July, July 9, 16, and 23. I'll keep you informed on all of those class dates at schooloflast.com. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to attend one of those if you're in the Nashville area. Again, the Christian Comedy Association Conference is coming up June 3rd through the 5th in Nashville, Tennessee. And don't forget to check the dates for the Clean Comedy Challenge at cleancomedychallenge.com. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Get out there, enjoy the weather, tell some jokes, make some smiles, stay safe, and stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Last podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.